Um, John Piper writes of an innate and tragic characteristic of spiritual blindness that marks our human race. And he quotes uh, Blaise Pascal to do so as he opens up. This is what Piper says. Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician and philosopher, who died in 1662, said, quote, man's sensitivity to small things and his insensitivity to the most important things are surely evidences of a strange disorder. Man's sensitivity to small things and his insensitivity to the most important things are surely evidences of a strange disorder. Piper goes on, Pascal thought that if there is a possibility that there is a God in heaven, and if there is a possibility that there is eternity and judgment beyond the grave, just the possibility, then reasonable people will be earnestly engaged in settling these things for themselves and getting right with God and preparing for the endless age of existence beyond this world. But what do we see? We see a modern culture that has no significant place for these questions at all, at least not at the forefront, right? We see people like the man I sat beside on a plane flying in from Madison Thursday night. I struck up a conversation with him, and he found out I was a pastor. He asked, are you happy in that line of work? I said, yes, I think it's exactly where God wants me, and I think I could be happy anywhere if I knew it was God's will for me to be there. And he responded, well, I'm not a very religious person. And I said, if there's a God, nothing's more important than being right with him. And he quickly responded, oh, I believe there's a God. And then Piper bemoans, that's a portrait of millions of Americans. I believe there's a God, but I'm not a very religious person. It's like saying, I believe there's a great doctor who could heal my terminal disease, but I don't try to find him. I believe there's a rescue boat that could reach me adrift at sea, but I don't cry out. I believe there's a treasure hidden in a nearby field, but I won't sell anything to buy it. We live in a very dark and strange age. Piper wrote of an age about 30 years ago. And the seas have changed for certain in our culture. Somewhat, and in the last 10 years, quite a lot. But the chances of running into an atheist on a plane have certainly increased. And that's perhaps to be lamented. The chances of running into someone who cares about social morality, how we treat other ethnicities, Immigrants and the poor have perhaps increased, and that might be some cause for thanks. But the chances that you're going to run into someone who both cares about social justice and who would say of God, maybe, maybe not, it's not important, that's probably increased as well. I'm just putting my finger to the wind a bit. I think what hasn't changed is what Pascal decried 3,350 years ago, though, when he said man's insensitivity to the most important things pervades our race. The spiritual air that we naturally breathe, the spiritual vision that we naturally see with, is not aware of the most important thing, not naturally. 
a thick cloud of superficiality. The superficiality of this world envelops us in it. And I don't mean superficial only as in Twitter and Facebook and the NFL and Marvel movies. That's certainly true. I mean even the air that's superficial, filled with better things and good things. Nature and art and music and jobs and promotions and salaries and vocational fulfillment. Even better things there are to be concerned about. Moms and dads and their health Children and their future, concern for the disadvantaged and hope for political integrity in our nation, however you define it. We can care about all this. Many of us do. And yet we can still be dying of our common disease, insensitivity to the most important thing. How difficult it is to live sober and to live awake to the truth that we breathe and we eat and we think and we move and we exist every single moment at the good will of a just and holy creator. How difficult it is to perceive and live in the light of the truth that this creator really has sent prophet after prophet after prophet over centuries to reveal the existence of the invisible God who makes and sustains all things that are visible and whose heart, as Rob wrote about, is jealous for us and for what is right. Whose heart longs justly for the right honor and love do him and the love he commands that we give to one another as his image bearers. How difficult it is to be able to see the truth that finally, in order to express his heart as fully as he ever could, he came in the form of a man and through the cross revealed to us both his infinite holiness as the one who must punish all sin and reveal to us his infinite love as the one who longs to forgive all sin. How hard it is to care about this at the core of our being. This revelation of the one who in one self-sacrificing, God-revealing, God-defining act of atonement made himself known, the creator, to his creation. This is the disease that Blaise Pascal put his finger on 350 years ago, our insensitivity to the most important thing. Do you know what it takes to see? Do you know what it takes to be awake to the most important thing, to have that spiritual sight to no longer be insensitive to the most important thing, it literally takes a miracle. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul puts it like this. If our gospel is veiled, that is, if it's hidden from someone's eyes, if they are insensitive to the most important thing, he says it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
their case. In their case, the God of this world, not God, but the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, he's explaining that Satan essentially confirms people in their own willful spiritual insensitivity, their own spiritual blindness, and yet there is a God. And when that God moves upon a blind man spiritually or a blind woman spiritually and proclaims over them, let there be light, the blindness is taken away. And something incredible happens. They see Jesus for who he is. Not all at once, as Jacob made clear, not all at once do we see but we really see. We don't see as perfectly as we will one day, but we truly see. And everything changes because of that. And life can never be the same because of that. A few verses earlier, Paul explained the miracle this way. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Michael, how long has it been since that day at your friend's house? Jacob, how long has it been? Amanda, you said eight years. Holly, how long has it been? Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) 20 years. It's been 32 years for me. No, no, 30 years for me this coming year. 30 years. Why are we still here? Why are we still here? Why haven't we given up? Holly's right. The bow is not pretty. It's not perfectly tied up yet. Rob's song is right. We still rebel. We still want to go our own way. Michael's right. It's been a roller coaster. (laughs) But we're still here. Why are we still here? We're still having our hearts moved on by him and touched on by him and spoken to by him. It's because we are, though not anywhere near perfect, we are being transformed into this image. We have seen Jesus, and having seen Jesus, he is faithful to keep us seeing him. And so, to put it colloquially, we're hanging in there because he has not let go of us. God has given you an unspeakable gift this morning, brothers and sisters. If this morning you care about Jesus, if you sense your great need for him, if you know that you need him as your sin bearer, if you believe in him, not to be a fable or merely a good teacher who's been misunderstood 
No, if, if you take him to be as he proclaimed he was when he said to the Pharisees, without apology, before Abraham was, I am. If you take him to be the Lord, if you see him as your only hope, if you seek to find your rest in him, then you are not insensitive to the most important things. You have received the most unspeakably precious gift you could conceive of. You have received the salvation of your soul. For God himself has come to earth and he has borne your sins himself. And instead of the condemnation for them that you deserve, you receive a pronouncement of righteous in his sight. You have received reconciliation with the Father to whom you were estranged and from whose judgment you were under. But then you saw Jesus, and that judgment is no longer on you. It has fallen on your sin-bearer, Jesus. There is no more judgment for you to take. That is central to what he asks you to believe this morning as you take the bread and you take the juice. He has given you the gift of sight. Your faith in him, your being able to see him is the gift that enables you to receive him. It is an incredible miracle to no longer be insensitive to the most important things, but to care about them. It is a miracle. And and just to be sure where your confidence is this morning and where God calls it to be, I don't want to make more of your sight and your ability to see than I want to make of Jesus himself. So I want to remind you of these beautiful words by Charles Spurgeon. Remember, therefore, it is not thy hold of Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not even faith in Christ. Though that be the instrument, it is Christ's blood and merits. Therefore, look not so much to thy hand with which thou art grasping Christ as to Christ. Look not to thy hope, but to Jesus, the source of thy hope. Look not to thy faith, but to Jesus, the author and finisher of thy faith. If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. Keep thine eye simply on him. Let his death, his sufferings, his merits, his glories, his intercession be freshly upon thy mind. When thou wakest in the morning, look to him. And while thou liest down at night, look to him. Peter had great faith for a moment. And for a moment, he was able to walk on the water. For a moment, he was able to see Jesus as greater than everything. To see him as an, perfectly as his all in all. We might say 
at least for the task at hand, he was able to see Jesus perfectly for a moment. And then he looked at the waves and he started to sink. And he did not believe what he should have believed. He was not holding on to what he should have held on to. He was not seeing as the gift of sight justified him seeing. And so he fell. And he was drowning. So what did the Lord do? Did he walk away? Oh, you gave up your faith. Your faith needs to be stronger. No, he didn't give up. He put his hand down. And he put his hand on Peter's arm and he pulled him up. It's a beautiful rebuke. Oh, Peter. Why do you doubt? You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. But I'm still here. I'm still here. Because it is not thy hold of Christ that saves. It is Christ. Brothers and sisters, this Thanksgiving, we give thanks for the unspeakable gift of being able to see, of being able to be sensitive to the most important things, of being able to see Jesus for who he really is, and seeing him, being saved by him. Let us thank God that he has not allowed us to go on in spiritual blindness. Let us thank him that he has not left us to be blind, like the poor souls who he wept over in Jerusalem, saying, how long I've longed to gather you, but you were not willing. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, as deeply as you can, give thanks that Jesus matters to you this morning, that you call him Lord and seek to follow him by his grace and hope in him for who he is.